Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. We're in Acts chapter 16, verse 18. Paul turned and he says, enough is enough in the name of Jesus. Come out. And I don't know if she fell to the ground and foamed at the mouth. I don't know what happened. But the demon immediately came out. And it was the power of Jesus Christ. He had done it while he was here on the earth. He had given the power to his disciples. And Paul now has the power in the name of Christ. And she was free. Can you imagine how she must have felt? Can you imagine, you know, understanding what has just happened to her? And we're not told in the text, but I'm assuming that she's the second story of transformation. I'm sure they preached the gospel. That was Paul's heart. I'm sure she became a believer in Jesus Christ. She was free. But not everybody's happy when people become Christians. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, our little demon-possessed gold mine. What have you done, Paul? How could you deliver her from possession? That's how she had the gift. That's how she was making us all the money. And now look what you've done. You've gotten the python out of her. That's just wrong. We don't want people being set free by Jesus Christ because it gets in, in the way of the money. And when the gospel and money clash, look out. There's a story from a historian of the Salvation Army. He comments. He said, persecution was great from the beginning of the Salvation Army. Gangs frequently hurled mud and stones through the windows as they were preaching. The liquor dealers worked hard to have William Booth kicked out of East London. The police were no help. In fact, They broke up outdoor meetings of the Salvation Army and accused Booth's followers of being the cause of all the trouble. Sound familiar? Beatings were not uncommon. In 1889, at least 669 Salvation Army members were assaulted. Some were killed and many were maimed. Even children were not immune. Ruffians threw lime in the eyes of a child of a Salvation Army member. And the newspapers in London ridiculed William Booth and said... Punch referred to him as Field Marshal Von Booth in a not-so-nice way. This has been the story of the church. And all of a sudden, the masters are saying, man, uh, I don't care what hope you're trying to bring this girl, you've messed up my pocketbook. And I will say this, God is a God of hope. He can deliver. But the masters saw their hope for profit was gone. They seized Paul, I'm assuming with some friends in the crowd, And they see Silas, Paul and Silas, and drag them into the market, the town square where all the business was done, into the marketplace before the authorities. Each town had two magistrates that would rule over the colony. They were kind of like the the city mayor or officials kind of stuff. And so all of a sudden dragged before the officials. Just did a great deed for a girl possessed. And all of a sudden they drag you, the mob drags you over and throws you before the, the magistrates of the city. And there they are. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, notice they don't mention the money. They're trying to sound pretty pious. They said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews. Uh, What confusion did they throw the city into? 
All they did was deliver a girl who was annoying probably everybody. And now they accuse them. They don't mention the money because that probably wouldn't sound real good. So they say they're throwing our city into confusion and they're proclaiming customs, which is not lawful for us to accept or to observe being Romans. Look, we don't want to hear this stuff. And religious pluralism in Rome was huge. They didn't really care what you practice as long as you added Caesar to the menu. And I mean Caesar the emperor. They, they were cool with pretty much anything as, as long as it didn't clash with Rome. But now you have all these citizens complaining and, and they're saying they've done this stuff and the, crowds, the crowd rose up, 22. Against them, mob mentality here, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off from them, off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. We're told from history that lictors would be by the magistrates and they would have, uh, they would have a bundle of rods to, as a sign of the magistrates' authority and power. And so they would take the rods and in some cases they would beat people with these rods. The lictors uh, had the rods and this is where the phrase taking your licks comes from. And so they would they beat them with the rods and the Romans didn't have a law of how many times you could be hit. And they inflicted many blows upon them, 23. They threw them into prison and they commanded the jailer to guard them securely. Can you imagine what a day <laughs> from the heights of victory to being beaten, probably lacerated skin and muscles, brutal, many blows. They're bloody, beaten, bruised, thrown into the inner chamber of the prison, probably where rats are, dark, dense, uh, dense, whatever you want to call it, just terrible stuff. Probably bleeding still. I'm sure they didn't get any first aid, and there they are. And Paul could have said, well, that's it. Ministry in Philippi is over. Have you been beat up lately? Maybe stretched out. Look at verse 24. And he, having received such a command from the leaders, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks, feeling beat up or stretched out. <laughs> Maybe it's anticipating some greater work of God in your life. To be put in the stocks, my understanding of it was they would spread you out as far as you could go, kind of like how you stretch and warm up they would spread, spread your legs out and fasten you into the stocks with your legs spread as far as they could go. Now, could you imagine being bruised, bloodied, beat up in this dark prison, probably rats and everything, probably terrible conditions. You're bloodied and now you're fastened in the stocks. You don't want to lay on your back anyway because you've got all these wounds on your back and there you are. You can't move, you can't roll over, nothing. I don't know how your attitude would be at that moment. I'll tell you what I'd probably be doing. I mean, why, why? I'd probably be doing a die of whyitis, right? Why does this happen? We were doing great stuff. How could this happen? Boom, the door shut. Into the stocks, you're fastened. How long am I going to be here? John the Baptist, James, Stephen have all died as martyrs. You don't know what's going to happen. Are we going to die? Will they bring us any food or water? What if I got to go to the bathroom? What do I do? I'll tell you, it would be a very difficult time. And there's many of our brethren that are in situations like this right now in prisons all over the world. But Luke says, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were doing two things, not just one. They weren't just singing. The Bible tells us they were praying and singing. 
And the word for prayer here is an all-encompassing Greek word. It means to supplicate. It could uh, mean praying to God, but it could mean to be bringing prayer requests before God. And I wonder who they were praying for. Now, it would be natural to pray for your release, and that was probably included, but were they praying for the prisoners? Were they praying for the jailer? Were they praying for others in the town, for the girl that had just been delivered, for her masters that had just thrown them into prison? The word singing in verse 25 is humneo. It's where we get the word hymn, and it means to celebrate God in song. That's what we do every Sunday, right? We, we laud his name. We worship his name in spirit and in truth. We lift up his mighty praises, and here we are free, sitting in a church comfortably, AC setting is usually pretty comfy. Making plans for lunch. And sometimes we come into the church and say, you know, and I don't really feel like worshiping today. I just, I don't feel like it. John MacArthur one time was asked the question, because he's big on the Bible, and, he, and he's saying, read your Bible, study your Bible, stay in the Word. And one guy asked an honest question, I think, that everybody was thinking. John, you're always talking about the Bible. What if you don't feel like reading the Bible? And MacArthur said, that's probably when you need it the most. Wow. You know, sometimes you come into worship that way and you're feeling beat up and stretched out and you're like, Lord, I don't even know if I want to be here. And all of a sudden, your bonds and your chains are freed in the presence of God Job 35.10 says, But no one says, Where is God my maker who gives songs in the night? The psalmist wrote in Psalm 42, verse 5, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? It's like he, he asked himself the question, Why am I like this? And then he says, speaking to himself, Put your hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. The implication from Psalm 42, which many of you know, is it's like he stopped praising and started whining. And then he went, psh, psh, kind of slapped himself back in there. Wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm going to again praise him. I'm going to choose praise. And that's what these guys did. They had every reason not to praise God, but they did. And they started praying and singing. And you know that they had an audience too because the prisoners, I'm sure, never heard anything like this. It says the prisoners were listening to them. People do watch how we go through the bumps and the valleys of our lives, don't they? And the prisoners probably heard everything you could imagine in this prison. But the one thing that I would assure you they'd never heard was two guys beat up, fastened into stocks who were singing praise songs to God. And they were listening. And everybody in that prison was in a tough spot. It's not where anybody wanted to be. But there were two men that were different. They were singing. And suddenly there came a great earthquake. The Greek word is seismos, where we get seismology. So that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately, notice this, all the doors were opened. And everyone's chains were unfastened. This is no ordinary earthquake, folks. This is a divine visitation. God says, hey, my two guys are there. They're praying. They're singing. It's time to let a whole lot of shaking start going on. And doors flying open, chains coming off. Everybody had to be going, oh, this praise stuff works. This is great. 
when we first started here, I was at this pulpit, one of our early services together, I was either praying or preaching, and all of a sudden this building shook. I was like, praise the Lord, we're back in the book of Acts, this is awesome. One Easter, Dr. Elam was preaching at 4th Presbyterian in downtown Chicago. Just as he dramatically called out, and the last enemy that will be conquered is death, a huge slab of ice loosed itself from the steeple of the church and crashed into the roof of the church, shaking the whole building. The pastor looked up and said, thank you, Lord, for the additional sound effects (laughs) that confirm my point. Praise God. And so the whole place shook, and the one guy that had to be totally unhappy about what was going on was the jailer. And when the jailer, he's our third story of transformation, the businesswoman Lydia, the servant girl dominated by the occult and demonized, and now the jailer. He worked in a prison, probably a pretty tough guy. He's got a family. And when the jailer had been roused out of his sleep, and he'd seen the prison doors open, the earthquake woke him up. He saw what was going on. He drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself. He supposed that the prisoners had escaped. There was a law called the Code of Justinian, and it said that if you're a guard and you let prisoners go, you die. And I think to spare the awful reality of what was ahead of him, he took his sword and he said, I'm going to kill myself. And we know he had family, we know he had a household, but he thought, this is going to end really bad. 27, but Paul cried out with a loud voice and said, do yourself no harm or don't harm yourself. And some of you need to mark that because you've been thinking about harming yourself. And if it's you, please let these words sink into you. Don't harm yourself. God is at work. It's not what you think. That's the devil's lie. You think that that's going to solve things if you commit suicide? It won't solve anything. It'll make things worse across the board. And Paul said, don't harm yourself. It's not what you think. We're all here. Now imagine if you're the the Philippian jailer. The moment that the doors opened, what would you think every prisoner in that place would have done? Everybody you'd think would have skedaddled. But Paul says, it's not what you think. We're all here. Now, I have a question. Why did the other prisoners not leave? I don't know if they were impressed with Paul. I don't know if Paul took control of the situation and and said, you know what, guys, stick around. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I've got more to tell you. Paul said, don't harm yourself. We're here. And so he called for the lights. He called for lights, torches, and rushed in, and he was trembling with fear. He had to be overwhelmed by the reality of what had just happened and the fact that they didn't leave. And he fell down before Paul and Silas. I think you could picture him on his knees trembling. But he doesn't ask the question when he's on his knees. I've read this text many times, and I always imagine that as he was on his knees trembling, he looked up and said, what must I do to be saved? But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, after he brought them out, he said. And I think the Philippian jailer had a moment. Here's my take on it. I think he was down on his knees trembling, realizing that a divine visitation had happened, but he couldn't quite get the words out. 
I think he wanted to ask, what do I need to do? And I know there's a lot of people that sit in churches and sometimes an altar call is given and it's like everything in them wants to get up out of the chair and come to the front of a church, but they just, they're just fighting it. And so after he had led, him, led them out, I think this is what happened. I think finally he decided, I don't care. I'm going for it. He brought them out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He was the guy sleeping in his bed that night. Everybody else was behind bars and had chains on, yet he was the one who was chained because he wasn't free in Christ. And they said, both of them, Paul and Silas, I would say maybe even separately preaching the gospel said, believe, and this question has resounded through the ages, believe, the answer to the question, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, you and your household. This does not guarantee family salvation because one person gets saved, but we'll see how the story unfolds. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his household or in his house. So everybody got to hear the word, his family, everybody was there. They had to be just in awe of what was going on. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. This is, we're winding this message down, but I just want to point out something about the Philippian jailer. I don't know if he inflicted the blows with the, the, the rods, but after he became a Christian, that very night, the night of all that went on, he got some water and a cloth and he started washing the wounds of Paul and Silas. And you know what? After becoming a Christian, that's sometimes one of the first things we think of. Lord, I need to wash wounds that I've inflicted. And maybe you're a person here today and you've got to wash some wounds. Maybe you brought wounds to somebody. And I think there's a beautiful image here that he wants to make it right. And so he washed their wounds almost like Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And I don't know how long this lasted, but it had to be a beautiful moment. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. So they all responded to the gospel and went into the waters of baptism and that had to be a wound-washing time for the Philippian jailer and his family. Baptism doesn't save us, but it certainly has the idea of washing in, in imagery. And he washed wounds, and now he went into the waters of baptism, and he was washed by the gospel, by the blood of Christ. And he brought them into the house. This had to be the last place they thought they would spend the night. Into the jailer's house. We got invited to a second place. This is awesome. And people keep feeding them. And they set food before them, set food before them, and rejoice greatly having believed in God with his whole household. What a night of worship that must have been. The third story is the Philippian jailer. But you know, there's another story here. Do you see it? Paul, who had, who had been transformed, you know, he had to be thinking, had I stayed Saul and not become Paul? None of these stories. I, Paul would have lived, Saul would have lived in infamy. In circles of Christianity, they would have said, oh, that Saul who killed all those people in the first century and then died, but he became Paul. He was transformed. His whole life changed and he would write back to the Philippians and rejoice in the book of Philippians over what God had done. Now when day came, the chief magistrates sent their policemen. They said, release those men, 36. The jailer reported these words to Paul. 
said, I got good news. The chief magistrates, they've sent to release you. Now therefore come out and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they've beaten us in public without a trial. Men who are Romans are Roman citizens. They've thrown us into prison and now they're sending us away secretly? No, indeed. Paul's tough, right? Let them come themselves and bring us out. No, we're staying, in, we're staying here. Let them come. Get those magistrates. And the policemen reported these words to the chief magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. And they came, notice how the tables have turned in the end of this story. And they appealed to them. And when they had brought them out, they kept begging them. They said, please leave our city. Please leave quietly. And Paul said, here's the business card of my attorney. He'll be calling. No, he didn't do that. Please leave. Get out of town, man. And so they went out of the prison. They entered into the house of Lydia where the early church was meeting. And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them. And departed. Father, we thank you for your holy word. What a day that must have been in the Philippian church in Lydia's home, rejoicing in the stories of conversion. And I would imagine a, uh, a meeting in the early church at Philippi with Lydia and her family, a Philippian jailer and his family, a servant girl now in her right mind. This was the church at Philippi. And Paul would write an epistle of joy to them later. And one of the most treasured letters in the Bible is written to this church. A letter of joy. Jesus is my joy. Christ is my contentment. As we close, I want to tell you a final story. There was a brother named Gary. Uh, Some years ago, he went home to be with the Lord and he was coaching a baseball team. And he'd invited three teenage young men to come to church They sat through the service. They had not been believers and they had agreed to accompany him. And when the altar call was given, Gary said he felt this undeniable tug from the Spirit to go forward and to come to respond to the altar call. And he didn't know why because he was already a Christian. He didn't feel like there was any reason to go down, but he just kept feeling like the Lord was telling him, go down, go down at that altar call. And so he was obedient. He came down to the front and He got down on his knees and he began to pray and all of a sudden he felt some hands on his shoulders and there were three sets of hands and those three young men had followed him down the aisle and they all became Christians that day. They followed Gary to the foot of the cross. Say, that's what this is about. This is about the transforming power of the gospel. And so I pray that the Lord will shake your foundations today to bring you closer to him, whatever it is. If you can relate to Lydia or the servant girl or the Philippian jailer or to Paul, whatever your story of transformation is, if you don't know that you know Christ right now, and this, you know, this is rung true to you because you're stuck. Don't stay stuck. Don't stay chained. Come to the one who makes you free because if you come to him, you'll be free indeed. He'll set you free. He'll forgive your sin. He's already paid for it. You have to trust in him. So bow your heart. If it's you and you want to just confess Christ right now, repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you. I trust in your death on the cross for me, your resurrection from the grave. Please save me. Please work in my life and work in the household of which I am part and remove the chains from my life. Set me free from the love of money or the 
dabbling with the occult or thinking that somehow I'm a tough guy and I don't need the Lord. We all need you, Lord. Bring that person back who maybe has been far away. Thank you that you're a God who changes our lives. You, you cause a metamorphosis to happen in our souls. Please continue to have your grace reign upon these precious people that have come today, encouraging them that you will finish what you began in them. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. Amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Are you leading your children towards Christ? Do people know who you really are and what you stand upon? Are you living in the light of eternity or just for the temporary treasures that will one day rust and be given to somebody else? If you want to know Jesus Christ right now, believe in him. The word believe means to trust. It means that you're going to turn over your life fully to him. Instead of trusting in yourself, your wealth, your riches, your idols, you're going to put your trust in Jesus. Do it right now. Turn from your sin and turn to him. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Thank you for coming to save me, for dying on the cross, for rising from the dead. I repent and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Whatever category of person you are, maybe you didn't fit in any of those, but it doesn't matter. God knows who you are. Reach out to him today. Put your trust in Jesus Christ today. Get into a good Bible teaching church and grow in your most holy faith. If you need more help, if you'd like to tell us about your own conversion story, if you rededicated your life or prayed that prayer, please reach out to us at livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. This is Pastor Michael on behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Wyatt Ayers. We're grateful that you listened today. Keep us in prayer. If you can help us out financially, you can give to us through the website, give to the radio ministry through the website, and you'll help us to get on more stations and reach out to more people. That's livingtruthradio.org, and we will catch you next time on the program. God bless you. Hi, this is Pastor Michael, and I just want to take a moment to thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. And, you know, when we're doing radio, folks, um, it's a little hard to tell who's listening. And we'd like to be able to uh, hear from our listening audience. And we're not asking for anything other than just drop us an email and let us know uh, if the program has been a blessing to you. We'd certainly like to hear from you. We're always looking how to best spend our stewardship dollars in terms of the ministry of radio. And so we'd like to know uh, how we're doing. And drop the email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. That's office at livingtruthcorona.org. Org. And just let us know who you are and if you've been listening, if the program's been a blessing to you. That would really help us out, and that would be a blessing to us just to hear from some of our radio listeners. So again, drop an email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. Thank you so much for listening and praying for us and supporting us if you can. And we uh, are very appreciative of the body of Christ and pray that the Lord will bless you and your family.